SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Number two here on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. This hour, we're going to start with NFL talk. We've got some market movers going on in one of the most intriguing divisions in all of the NFL. There was also a bad beat in basketball. We'll get to that. The director, or excuse me, the ProFootballDoc.com, Dr. David Chow, is going to come on, and he's going to go through the injuries from over the weekend. Tom Becchio of FanDuel going to help us cap some games for tonight. But yesterday, Team USA ends up getting the win over Spain, 83-76. Unfortunately for betters, if you laid the points with Team USA, you had a horrible beat. In fact, Team USA ends up not covering that 8.5 or 9-point spread. It was a backdoor cover from Spain who closed the game on an 8-0 run, Ben. Ah, oh, tough. Hate to see that. Their final exhibition before heading to the Tokyo Olympics, and they can't cover for the betters out there that had some faith in Team USA. The first appearances we have seen of Keldon Johnson, one of the replacements to that Team USA roster. But Team USA has looked a lot better, Ariel, in these final two exhibitions than they did, especially early on in their prep for the Tokyo Olympics. So if you want to bet on Team USA moving forward, we talked about it with John Sheeran, the director of trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Team USA has had a ton of movement from where they opened up prior to these exhibition games against Nigeria and Australia, those two games that Team USA lost. They were minus 700. Currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook, they are minus 310. And I believe Australia is closing that gap at plus 500, 5 to 1. Spain, not far behind, 12 to 1. Team USA minus 310, still a very heavy odds-on favorite, as they should be heading into the Olympics, but just things to watch out for. Also, a word to the wise when it comes to betting FIBA rules basketball. It is a 40-minute game. It is a little bit more physical than what we see in the NBA when things are free-flowing, the offense is wide open, and you see buckets and buckets and buckets. You'll see totals in the 175 range, 180, 185. We would never see those, even in the NBA playoffs, but when it comes to the Olympics, 40-minute game, a little bit more physicality, some different rules in there that FIBA institutes that they play under in the Olympics, just things to look out for over these next couple days as we get ready for the Olympics. Team USA also got themselves into a 9-0 hole in the first half. Then in the second half, they end up pulling away. Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Zach Levine combined for nine three-pointers. KD ends up with 14 points, Dame Lillard 19 points. Yet it was Kelton Johnson, the forward for the Spurs, who ends up coming onto the team after Kevin Love was taken off the team on Friday. Johnson ends up with 15 points, playing for his head coach, Greg Popovich. Ben, how much of an advantage do you think a Spurs player has playing under his head coach than the other players? Well, he probably knows Pop's system right away. That's why he'd come in and make an impact. I also think it's good to have a couple of guys like a Keldon Johnson. Obviously, you want the best players in the world out there, but at times when there's so many best players and it's an all-star squad but not playing in an all-star type event where 
everybody is taking it seriously and the format is different and the physicality is ratcheted up to another level it's good to have some role players that can be there and find their spots and have an understanding of what they need to do Keldon Johnson looked very good in his first action we have talked about Team USA on the men's side Ariel being a little bit disappointing dropping their first two exhibition matches that was the same for the Team USA women's team as they approach these Tokyo Olympics but their odds Still very, very strong on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win gold in Tokyo. Minus 1,200 are the Team USA women's basketball team. As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the morning after hour number two just getting underway. It's Sirius XM Channel 204, the mightier 1090 on the West Coast as well. I'm Ben Stevens, joined with Ariel Epstein on this Monday morning, recapping a weekend all over sports, including Ariel. Final exhibition matches for Team USA as we get into the Olympics. So, Ariel Epstein, I ask you, what is your favorite event at the Olympic Games all across the board? Is it basketball, swimming, gymnastics, track and field? What does Ariel Epstein like more than most? It has to be gymnastics. First of all, I was a gymnast. It was the only sport that I really could do because I hated any kind of contact sports. I hated a sport where a ball was thrown at you. I like individual sports. It was all about me. It was all about just me supporting myself. I don't like playing on team sports because I get way too mad at teammates if they end up messing things up for me. Gymnastics is incredible. I wait every four years for it. Simone Biles is must-watch television. If you're not turning on the TV to watch Simone Biles at the U.S. Olympics, I'm sorry. You just aren't you are an American. She's incredible. She's the GOAT. She has slippers that say she's the GOAT. Ben, I love watching Simone Biles. She's going to do something historic. And she didn't have the best Olympic trials, which leads me to believe that, hey, she's human. She knows she's human. She got humbled at the trials. Now we're going to see her do something incredible at the Olympics. No odds up on the FanDuel Sportsbook currently for Simone Biles or any gymnastics event, but my guess would be if we're talking Team USA men's basketball minus 310, Team USA women's basketball minus 1,200, Simone Biles to win, I don't know how many goals as you might, or goals as you might need, something like minus 5,000. I mean, she is that much of a GOAT and that much of a heavy odds-on favorite for every event, really, that she will enter to win gold at the Olympics. Simone Biles, I agree with you, Ariel must watch television it is going to be very exciting stuff to see her performing in tokyo i love too. first of all we should set an over under on how many gold medals simone will come away with second of all simone biles posted a picture the other day of her next to michael phelps i think they were in separate pictures but she posted it she said michael phelps taught me how to layer my gold medals yeah that's a problem i've definitely had in my life mm-hmm. coming up next we're going to be joined by dr david chow of profootballdoc.com he actually has taken on a new role himself he's not just a doctor He's a coach. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. back 
the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining the show, Dr. David Chow of ProFootballDoc.com. Doc, not only are you a doctor for all sports, but you could also be a coach for all sports. You've had yourself a heck of a weekend. You have been just, you know, remove yourself from the professional world. You have been coaching a very important league. How did the season end for you and your son? Well, you know... I was thrilled to have my son on the all-star team, but it was the B team. And, uh, you know, we had no shortstops. The A team had nine of them. And we were lucky enough to cobble a team together. And we made it to the semifinals of the Pony 8U Machine Pitch Pinto World Series. And, uh, you know, uh, it was a lot of fun. But my coaching tactics were perhaps a little bit unorthodox. Uh, the one time I did call timeout to go out onto the field, um, I gathered everyone at second base, and I said, I have nothing to tell you other than have fun, and I handed out a bunch of Skittles. Uh, there you go. That's some in-game nutrition to keep the energy levels high. I love it, Dr. Chow. I think not only are you a great doctor, but now you can add Skipper. You can add Skipper well, to the mantle as well. The well, Skipper well, who gives out well, Skittles. And one of the other things is, you know, uh, at strategic moments, because it was very hot in Marino Valley, uh, I would get another parent to go get and then hand out popsicles when the kids came into the dugout. I mean, you got to stay hydrated. Ariel, can we sign up for this team? Can we join Dr. Chow's baseball this team next like year? I'm right good with popsicles and Skittles. First of all, here's why it's great, because you're getting ice pops and Skittles to help get the energy up, but you also have a doctor on the field, so I'd feel really safe. However, I want to switch into Major League Baseball, Dr. Chow, because some one player that would have probably loved to uh, have some input from a coach like you it would probably be the Mets' ace, Jacob deGrom, who is now on the IL for the second time this year because of soreness in his right arm. What are, what are your takeaways from how serious this may be since we're seeing DeGrom go on the IL for a second time? Well, I did pitch in this uh, World Series, but remember it was machine pitch, so the machine doesn't get tired. Uh, but uh, yeah, the forearm tightness is such a generic catch-all term. It's like in the old days before an MRI when we'd say knee sprain. Now, was it an ACL? Was it a meniscus tear? Was it tendonitis? It was all a knee sprain. So forearm tightness is sort of this garbage term, so to speak. The question is, what is the anatomy? Is it really tightness from a muscle issue? Is it a strain, God forbid, of the Tommy John? I mean, what is causing the tightness? And I get the MRI showed no structural damage. But remember, the MRI is a static test, and it only shows static structure. It does not evaluate function at all. So a normal MRI is good news, but that doesn't put anyone in the clear from injury. And Dr. Chow, we've seen this come up a little bit with some pitchers here recently. Jacob deGrom for the Mets, Clayton Kershaw for the Dodgers, also placed on the IL with some forearm tightness. So what's the recovery process like for that forearm tightness in terms of getting back to the field? Well, once again, it depends on what the real diagnosis is. And, you know, it's probably measured in weeks. I mean, this has been a lingering episode. He's tried to pitch through. Now it's the second time on IL. You have to think the second time you go on IL is going to be longer than the first because the first obviously didn't work. That's just logic. But I don't know what the cause of the forearm tightness is, and that matters. Dr. Chow, switching into the NFL, I saw you tweeting about the Tom Brady update, where there was an update last week. Tom Brady's been playing with a fully torn MCL instead of a partially torn MCL, which is what we thought it was. It did require surgery after the Super Bowl. 
Brady not affected, considering he won that Super Bowl anyway. Dr. Chow, you wrote that there's no way Brady played on a completely torn MCL. Why? Well, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady. He's the GOAT, and he doesn't need a false narrative to make him elevate him anymore. But it is a false narrative to say it was a, quote, completely torn ACL, like you and Ben would think about it in terms of lay terms. An acute, completely torn MCL in two pieces, no possible way whatsoever. Did he play on a partially torn MCL? Yes. Did he have chronic issues with the MCL? Yes. Was this technically his third surgery on the MCL? Yes. In 2008, after the ACL surgery, he had an MCL repair that got infected, and they had to go back and clean it out for the second surgery. That may have caused some lingering weakness that that showed up over time when it got re-injured in New England, and he's played through with a brace on the lead leg. But here's why, very simply, there's no way that he could have played on a torn MCL the whole season. Functionally, it's impossible. But also, if you remember the famous boat parade and the uh, uh, trophy tossing, First of all, he put lateral stress on his knee, and it was very clear when he, quote, was helped off the boat or whatever. He had a knee sleeve on with no metal stays, no structural support. If you had a completely torn MCL, you couldn't be doing those things. You can't stand swaying side to side on a boat. You can't play football. And you would always have a structural brace on your knee to help support it instead of just a soft sleeve. So I don't believe that narrative. But the rest of it is all true. And by the way, probably a third of all NFL teams have a play, a third of all players on an NFL team have some residual laxity to an MCL. His obviously was worse, but you know, when an MCL tears or partially tears or tears as the sprain, it does this. And when it heals, it does this. It doesn't go back like that. So therefore, you know, there's always a little bit of residual laxity. That's not a big deal. Most times it doesn't lead to surgery though. And Tom Brady about to turn the tender age of 44 here at the beginning of August in just a few weeks. Dr. Chow, we are also just a couple of days away from NFL teams reporting to training camp. What's that gear up process like for these players when they get back on the field in terms of a conditioning standpoint? Well, you know, the idea now is that the NFL is kind of a 365 sport. Right? I mean, it really used to be back, back in the day, you know, uh, you come to training camp out of shape with rare exception comes into training camp out of shape if you come to training camp out of shape you won't make the team especially if you're someone anywhere near the bubble so it's a different process now uh, the off season is when you get in shape and you know i do think it's ironic the nfl's quietest period of time is the one month before training camp really i think that quietest period of time should be in February or March kind of thing. But the NFL, you know, everyone takes off right before the big push in, in training camp. But it's not – it's a time to install offenses. It's time to make the team. It's trying to secure your, your role in the roster and, and the depth charts. It's not time to get into shape at all. Dr. Chow, just a couple of minutes left. I did see in the NBA that Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers star, had surgery to repair a partially torn right ACL. You said true partial ACL tears are rare. Question is stable or not. In this case, seems like not, thus reconstructive, not repair surgery. Walk the viewer through what the difference is and how serious this is for Kawhi Leonard potentially starting next year. Well, I mean, 
call it a repair, call it partial, call it what it is. I believe he had an ACL reconstruction no different than for a complete tear. That's my belief. Uh, even on the video all along, I thought the best case scenario was a partial ACL tear with a bone bruise. And that's why I was very always pessimistic on his ability to return this season. And uh, at this point, I think you have to expect that Kawhi Leonard will not be there for the start of the season. We'll miss a good portion of the season at least. And depending on how it is, and it is harder to return from basketball after an ACL reconstruction, see Derrick Rose. We don't have Adrian Petersons as the norm. Uh, because it's a two-way sport sport and the way the game is played, et cetera. I would not be surprised if he ended up missing all of next season, especially given the timing. Wow. That would be something to keep an eye out on in the odds boards uh, for the futures market for the 2022 season. Dr. David Chow, ProFootballDoc.com. Catch him all over, ProFootballDoc.com. In the next month, Dr. Chow, you're going to be very busy. So enjoy these next few weeks. Enjoy the offseason between coaching and being Dr. Chow because we're going to be talking about a lot of things, I'm sure, as training camp comes up. Thanks for joining us again this morning. Thank you. Coming up next, it's Market Movers. I just mentioned the NFL. We're going to dive into one of the most competitive divisions in football. Stay here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to take a look at how the futures market is moving. It's time for NFL Market Movers. I guess I was really loud, and my Apple Watch uh, Siri decided to talk, so let's just mute her. Market movers, we're going to talk about one of the best divisions in the NFL, and that's the NFC West. The NFC West has had some movement since I took a snapshot of the odds back on February 10th. The Los Angeles Rams were the favorites at plus 165 on February 10th to win the division. However, that line has since moved in the direction of San Francisco. The 49ers currently today have the best odds at plus 185. Here in case it's radio, here's how the market's moving. The Rams go from plus 165 to plus 195. The 49ers 2 to 1. Line moves in their favor down to plus 185. Seattle plus 260 goes against them to plus 270. Arizona Good movement in their favor. 7-1 to one moves to 6-1. to one. The two teams that had the lines move in their favor to summarize the 49ers and the Cardinals. Ben, what do you make of the market moving in the NFC West? 
This is going to be one of the most fun divisions in all of the NFL this year because of how competitive it stands. Honestly, I look at this board right now and I could see any of these four teams winning this division when all is said and done because they will all have to play each other twice. And I think there is going to be a lot of diversity when it comes to that. I mean, look at the Cardinals, for instance, plus 700 down to plus 600. If Cliff Kingsbury can coach and he makes some smart decisions this year, the Arizona Cardinals roster has so much talent and so much excitement on the offensive side of the football. I think they can be a very sneaky dark horse in this division that provides tons of value right now at plus 600. We're talking Kyler Murray. We're talking DeAndre Hopkins. We're talking adding A.J. Green as well. James Conner now joining that backfield with Chase Edmonds, who was great last year. On the defensive side of the ball, of course, the big splash was J.J. Watt. At this stage of his career, how healthy is he going to be? But you look across the levels of that defense, you have Chandler Jones on the linebacking core. You have Isaiah Simmons, who is one of the best young linebackers in all of football, who can really play all over the field. And then, of course, Buda Baker, leading that secondary as well. So this Arizona Cardinals team is a very intriguing pick to me. And at plus 600 in a very tight, compacted division, I think actually gives you a lot of value among the rest. I mean, you look at the Seahawks, it is going to be rinse and repeat. We know exactly what is happening there. Russell Wilson voiced some displeasure this offseason, but it seems like all of that relationship has been mended. When you look at the top of the division, the Los Angeles Rams, who have never finished below 12th in terms of total offense and offensive efficiency in Sean McVay's time at the helm of that team. Now add Matthew Stafford at the quarterback position. That has seemed to be a huge upgrade at that spot. How effective will Matt Stafford now be in what seems to be a more stable environment in Los Angeles as opposed to Detroit? And of course, defensively, you have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, two of the best defenders at their respective positions in all of the National Football League. And of course, the San Francisco 49ers, who have had some of the worst injury luck the past two, three seasons across the entire league. Well, now if they can stay healthy with the likes of Nick Bosa on that defense returning, and you look at what they have across the board defensively, Fred Warner leading the linebacking core. And the question for me, Ariel, is that offense. And I know the Niners are getting a lot of love, and they have some positive movement here. The line moving more in their favor. You could look at the NFC Championship odds as well. The second shortest behind the reigning Super Bowl champions in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, SF, at plus 600. I still remain a little bit skeptical about Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know he led this team to a Super Bowl appearance just two seasons ago. But let's not forget... His head coach, Kyle Shanahan, instead of answering the future of Jimmy G on this team, questioned the future of the entire world and if we would all make it to that Sunday. That does not inspire a lot of confidence in me in your head signal caller heading into the season. Of course, they drafted Trey Lance, number three overall, but that might be more development at this case as opposed to inserting himself and impacting the Niners in the win column right away. So I think the value when you look at this board is the Arizona Cardinals, but it's going to be so tight and compact along the top of this division throughout the entirety of this NFL season. Right. If anything, maybe I'd be looking for those make the playoff odds on the Cardinals. Currently, Arizona at plus 176 to make the playoffs. I'd rather take them to potentially just get in instead of worrying about winning the division. I love Arizona. This team, if they stay healthy, could be incredible. The problem is that they took in a few injury-prone players that could lead to either amazing things 
or the team being in shambles because injuries prevail, whether it's AJ Green at wide receiver, whether it's JJ Watt on the line, there's going to be some players that just need to stay healthy to help play that integral part in getting Arizona to take it to the next step. When it comes to a team such as the 49ers, as you were mentioning, Ben, it makes me very nervous to bet on any team that is essentially rooting for quarterback one to fail. If you're going to be rooting for quarterback one to fail so you could get your next best thing in, which is Trey Lance, your rookie quarterback he had just drafted this year, although he could look as good as Justin Herbert did out the gates, it doesn't mean you make the playoffs. It doesn't mean you win your division. The Chargers weren't expecting for Justin Herbert to come in week two. Terod Taylor ends up missing the game last minute. Herbert looked incredible. He had a great year. Did the Chargers win the division? Absolutely not. That's why it's hard for me to go and bet on a team that is essentially trying to rely on their rookie quarterback to hopefully start by the second half of the season because he's a rookie. Nonetheless, you're making a quarterback change, which also means that your entire offense is shifting. That's my issue, Ben. I can't look at the 49ers. Plus, you lost the value anyway. They're the favorites, which is just, it boggles my mind. The Rams, even though they're a new offense, you got Matt Stafford. He's one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in all of football. He's gotten the yardage. Now the Rams actually have a quarterback who could throw the ball deep. They have threats at wide receiver who are really fast. Now it's just that backfield. Can the backfield also add that versatile dynamic element that they really need? Because last year, the transition over away from Todd Gurley, that's my concern, Ben, defensively. This Rams defense is one of the best in the league. That's why I think the Rams are still the best team in this uh, in this division. Seattle could be sneaky just because Russell Wilson's his quarterback. Otherwise, how much faith do you have in Seattle to even make the playoffs this year solely because of all the issues that happened off the field between Wilson and the organization? I mean, you can never bet against Russell Wilson because he can elevate a team if he is out there and allowed to play free. And hopefully Pete Carroll does not return to the run game after the disappointing end to last season for the Seattle Seahawks. But with the weapons that he has at his disposal, obviously in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you let Russell Wilson go, he can lead any team to a playoff run. I mean, look at the team win totals for the NFC West right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook. It goes to show, despite how the odds look in the futures market, how competitive this division will be. You have both the Rams and the Niners at 10.5, plus money to the over on both of those teams. You have the Seattle Seahawks at 10, even money both ways, minus 110 to the over and the under. And then you look at the Arizona Cardinals, who are projected right now, at least based on the current odds, to finish fourth in the division with an 8 as their team win total minus money to the over at minus 130. So all of these teams within a two and a half game range in their team win total right now goes to show how competitive the NFC West will be this year. So who emerges out of this division is going to be difficult to cap. And I agree with Ariel's point. If you want to target a specific team, maybe you look at their team win totals or even the alternate team win totals that the FanDuel Sportsbook has up right now. The Seattle Seahawks are going to be a team that's hard to bet against just given Russell Wilson and can the defense continue to improve. You look at the Niners and the Rams, that's where I think a lot of the value and a lot of the public money will be going in this division and maybe even backing San Francisco, a team, again, that made the Super Bowl two years ago with a lot of the same pieces in place. If they are healthy, that might be the thought. But I think the team win totals, Ariel, really goes to show how competitive, how tight, how well contested this division is going to be throughout the entirety of the 2021 NFL season. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. The NFC West 
is going to be that division that we highlight throughout the year, not because it's bad and teams might be able to overtake themselves and do some good in their division, but because you could see teams getting close to 11 or 12 wins, and we could have that not with just one team or two teams, possibly even three of the four teams in this NFC West division when all is said and done. Here's my final point about the San Francisco 49ers, who I've been fading, by the way, the last two years. Last year, I bet the under on their win total because 10.5 was too many. This year, I'm not necessarily saying that the 49ers won't make the playoffs. The way that I feel my money should go would be on any of the other three teams except them. I'm not betting on San Francisco. I will not take any kind of chance on them in the futures market. I don't know what I'm getting. I would rather bet the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals overbetting the San Francisco 49ers this year. I'm really excited about the Cardinals, Ben. They're a team that I feel could be a sneaky, a sneaky team. They had the defense last year. It could be a little bit better this year with J.J. Watt on the, off, on the defensive line. Then you add Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins, the second straight year together. Last year was their first year. Kyler Murray stepped up in the game. If Murray didn't get hurt towards the end of the season, then things could have looked differently for the Cardinals in the playoff mix. This year... I'm really excited to watch that duo go head-to-head or match up together again. Uh, what do you think about what DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray could be doing for the 2021 season? They are going to be a top-five offense in the NFL in terms of total yards, especially in that passing game. My question is, of Kingsbury and some of his managerial decisions in terms of actually winning football games for the Arizona Cardinals, but the offense from a systematic perspective is going to be so fun, so exciting to watch. When you're sitting down on your couch Sundays this fall watching Red Zone, I expect to see the Arizona Cardinals up there a ton, scoring a ton of touchdowns this year because Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, don't forget A.J. Green, maybe a career renaissance out there in the desert as well. Another complimentary piece for that Arizona Cardinals offense, Ariel. A.J. Green could be the Blake Griffin of the NFL, where Blake Griffin just looked like he was sleeping through the rest of his career. Then he goes over to Brooklyn and he starts dunking again. I could see that happening to A.J. Green after leaving Cincy. Tom Beggio of FanDuel coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining the show, FanDuel's Tom Vecchio. Tom, Major League Baseball returned from the All-Star break over the weekend. What were your takeaways from the first weekend of the second half of the season? Oh, we're seeing a lot of pitchers put up a lot of great performances. Maybe the offenses are, you know, pretty sleepy coming out of the break. But then on the other side, we're seeing a lot of the offenses have a lot of big home run games whether it was the Padres on Friday night, they put up 23, 24 runs, whatever it was. You saw the Blue Jays put up 10 runs and like five home runs uh, yesterday. So we're seeing some really bad pitching performances and the hitters are on point. And then we're seeing some really good pitching performances because the hitters are off point. It's We're getting these extremes, which I guess is good for strikeout props and home run props. 
a big home run game sounds like it's right up Tom Vecchio's alley because you bring up those home run props. You are probably the best capper I know when it comes to the home run props. Do you have any for today's slate of Major League Baseball games? Yeah, so I want to say it started off the second half on a good note. I was big on the Blue Jays on Friday night, hit on Marcus Simeon at, I think it was plus 330. They had a bunch of home runs, and tonight it's actually their opponent's night, and that would be the Boston Red Sox. Now, I like uh, Rafi Devers tonight sitting at plus 250. I think it might have jumped to plus 270. Uh, he has massive, massive power numbers versus righties this year, coming with a 362 ISO, and he well reaches that line I look for, which is the 40-40 line. He's at 40 and 51% when it comes to fly ball rate and hard contact rate, which is absolutely insane. He's an all-star. We know all of this. Now, if someone were to say to me, uh, you know, I, I'm not on board that I like J.D. Martinez tonight, Alexander Bogart tonight, like Kike Hernandez tonight, Alex, Alex Verdugo tonight. I am on board with all of them because they're going up against Ross Stripling, who's allowing 1.59 home runs per nine to lefties. He's allowing over two home runs per nine to righties this season. It really doesn't matter. They're actually... Uh, I don't want to say in Toronto, they're in Buffalo, quote-unquote, and this is actually shaping up right now to be the fourth-best hitters park in the league. Of course, we're dealing with a smaller sample size because the Blue Jays started the year in Florida. They're now in Buffalo. They're going back to Toronto at the end of the season, but right now it is a great hitters park. So if you want J.D. Martinez, you want Verdugo, you want someone else, I'm on board with all of them. The, the Red Sox are in for plenty of home runs tonight. I'm amazed because you're also going for a strikeout prop and you're betting it over. Usually you go for these home run props. I end up taking them. They hit. I can't believe that you handicap this market. It just boggles my mind and you do it so well. But the strikeout props, you're going to Tony Gonsolin over five and a half strikeouts plus 126. Why is this value in plus money something we're taking? So the value in plus money, there's obviously a little bit of risk here because he started the year on the IL, doesn't have a big sample size this year, only 25 or so innings, but he's producing a career-high 28.7% strikeout rate. Now, the issue is that he hasn't gone super deep into games. He's only pitching you know, four, 4.2, maybe five innings, but he's going up against the San Francisco Giants tonight who come in with a 25.3% strikeout rate versus right-handed pitching, which is the seventh worst in the league. So it's five and a half. We saw him post seven against the Cubs. He posted six and four innings against the Diamondbacks in his most recent start. So he can get there when it comes to the volume of strikeouts. It's that if he doesn't get them going early, we know he's not going to last deep into the game. Not because he's pitching badly, just because we know uh, coming back from his injury, he's not fully stretched out. He's not going to be going seven innings. It's only going to be four or five. So he basically needs to rack them up quickly at five and a half versus a team in the bottom 10 in, in strikeouts versus righties. I'll take it. Tom, that starts a very big series out west in the NL West between the Dodgers and the Giants, a four-game set at Dodger Stadium between these two rivals, between the two teams looking for that lead in the NL West division. When you know the stakes are so high for a game like this, how does that affect your handicapping when it comes to looking at the prop market? That's a good question. I think we would uh, I would go back to see what the pitchers did in the most recent outing uh, when they matched up against each other. Obviously, we have to take uh, some things in consideration because the uh, the let's see, Gossman didn't start in his most recent one. He's coming back from personal leave. He's starting tonight. And then Gonsolin isn't pitching deep into games. This means we could be seeing more bullpen stats from the Dodgers because we also have to count for the fact that Clayton Kershaw is out. So if we're handicapping things when it comes to potential 
Giants home run props or something along those lines, I would actually shift more to looking at the Dodgers bullpen stats because they're a little bit thin when it comes to their starters. Of course, Walker Bueller is amazing. We know we can be getting from him, but that's just one pitcher for one game. So I would actually look a bit, a little bit deeper into their bullpen stats to see if I want to jump in on any Giants home run props. You're speaking about the Dodgers and the struggles with the pitching rotation currently Kershaw on the IL and Trevor Bauer not sure if he's coming back at anytime soon due to his off the field issues when it comes to the futures market the National League does not have odds up for their MVP race they don't have odds up for their Cy Young race with the Mets ace Jacob deGrom going to the IL because of right arm soreness where do you see the value in either of those markets in the National League Tom? So for the Cy Young, it gets uh, really interesting because Bauer was having a good season until he has been uh, placed on league suspension or league administrative leave, whatever they're calling it. And then, of course, DeGrom is absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, if we had the odds up, I wouldn't mind taking a shot on looking a little bit deeper into the market. You know, someone like Charlie Morton has been having a really, really under the radar year, being very solid for the Braves. You know, his name is being floated around there when it comes to potential trade deadline targets because the Braves are, you know, a couple games back or a couple spots back in the NL East. Uh, when it comes to the futures market for the potential uh, NL pennant, I actually really like the Brewers. Uh, they have a seven-game lead in the Central. They're cruising along. They have phenomenal pitching, a great bullpen. Their hitting was a little bit slow to start the year. You know, Yelich was injured for a number of weeks, but they're getting everyone back healthy. They're starting to turn that around. So I like the Brewers. I also like the Padres as a value, uh, a bit of a value to win the NL pennant. Not, not even win the division, just win the pennant because they have the pitching. Hugh uh, Darvish is set to come back tonight. Blake Snell, he, I know he's been injured, but he should be coming back. And that lineup, of course, has all the offense you could potentially want. So I like their pitching staff. They just need to get things, everyone healthy, and get everyone on the same page. But I would go to the Brewers or the Padres for NL pennant picks. Tom, sticking to that prop market, but going to a different sport, looking at the NBA Finals, an off day today before game number six, tomorrow night in Milwaukee. When you look at a prop market for a game that's still about 24 hours away, how do you best go about approaching that market and when might be the right time to jump in? So when approaching a game that we know is, is further down the line, I try and look like, I try and project what's going to happen in the game. How is this game going to be played? Are we going to be seeing a lower scoring game? I assume so. It's a potential closeout game in the NBA Finals. We see teams' effective field goal percentages drop as series go on. Uh, something always referred to just because the stats will always be there and uh, teams will eventually regress to the mean. They're not going to be shooting 60 or 70% from downtown or whatever it might be. So I would actually look to jump in early on someone like DeAndre Ayton. His prop is sitting at 16 and a half for points. Uh, I would also look to his rebound prop. I think that's very solid as well. It has been you know, pretty profitable as uh, we've gone throughout the playoffs. But he has 18 points or more in three of the five games. But more importantly, he's shooting nearly 60% or over 60% in a lot of these games. So if the Suns aren't going to be taking as many uh, you know, three-pointers, sh- uh, three not going to be taking as many shots from the field. They're going to try and look to get the ball down low. They're going to have more missed shots, which means more rebounds and potentially easier putbacks for DeAndre Ayton if we're playing this whole theme in together, more missed shots, et cetera, et cetera. That means the rebounds are there for him, and then easy putbacks are going to be there for him. A player that's being very, very effective from the field, shooting, again, 60 70 80% in some of these games. So I would jump in early because, of, you know, the the under uh, the over-under starts to drop. We could see his player prop also move, but I'd rather get into the spot that I'm comfortable with it, which is at 16 and a half points. 
Aiton's been one of the best players in the paint this playoffs, and he's been consistent for the Suns. However, the home road splits sometimes scare me. Uh, Tom Vecchio joining us from FanDuel. Tom, how much do you take into consideration these home road splits between these, especially in these NBA finals? So I would, you know, we're dealing, of course, a two, three game sample size for home and road. So I would look to that with obviously a pretty large grain of salt. I would then look to the his playoff or any players, uh, not just Aiden, but any players uh, production throughout the entirety of the playoffs. Since we actually have a, a decent sample size now, multiple rounds in, I would look to that. And then I would glance at his season long stats to see where the splits were and then factor that in alongside the entirety of the playoffs. It, there's no one thing that you look at and say, oh, this is the thing I have to trust. It's just part of the equation that we all uh, you know, want to work in together. So I'm on board with them, but I would say that there's no one leaning way when it comes to the final specifically. It's more about the playoffs overall at this point. So, Tom, one game for sure, possibly two left in the NBA Finals, then some Major League Baseball. When does your handicapping turn to the NFL or maybe even college football looking ahead to the next season? So I'm not a big college football guy. I'll say that right from the jump. Uh, not something um, into football will start probably once August first uh, rolls around. I will say, uh, flipping over to the Olympics real quick, if I could take a, a random shot with this. Men's rugby future, Fiji right now is sitting as the favorite at plus 230. However, they are the 11th ranked team in the world, according to uh, some rankings. Also, I saw one of my cousins over the weekend who played uh, rugby at Michigan. Uh, in college, and he is saying uh, a few things. So Ireland at plus 6,000 could be a bit of a value, and then New Zealand, the All Blacks, are plus 250 for the Fiji Futures gold medal in the Olympics. Oh, not, excuse me, not Fiji, New Zealand. New Zealand at plus 250, not Fiji, because Fiji is overvalued right now. Wow. Okay. Okay. You know, Tom, like you surprise us every day. Home run props, I thought we're pretty much going to cap it. And here you go. You've got these. This is it. Olympics. Okay. That's where we're switching the narrative to for Tom Vecchio when we get to the Olympics come this weekend. Tom, uh, just a couple of minutes left. Speaking of the Olympics, Team USA, how much are you going to start capping those games for the basketball teams? Uh, so the futures for Team NBA uh, or Team USA for the, uh, you know, in the basketball gold medal I, I saw those futures at one point they were like minus 750 for the gold medal that's something i have no interest in uh game by game i think we have to wait to see what their final roster looks like and what they're at, who they're actually gonna be playing because i know they're dealing some players in and out of the lineup uh due to protocol reasons but you know i don't have a whole lot of like overwhelming faith in them to cover every game i think that they'll be winning like they did last night against spain uh, that they, they'll win the games, but they won't be covering. I think that this is a spot where if they have player props, uh, th those markets up, I would look to that for some purely scoring props, probably mainly from their main players like Durant or Damian Lillard. I wouldn't go too far outside of that. You know, I don't see a whole lot of value in either taking them uh, in the long term or on spreads just because they've been so inconsistent, at least to start. Maybe they, they flip the switch once they actually get there and put up all these uh, all these amazing performances. But I would say if you are going to be handicapping that, you want to look into the rule changes for the FIBA rules versus the NBA rules because, it, first of all, it's a different court size. They have different timings. They have different foul rules. So if you're actually interested in betting Team USA game by game, look at the rule changes because some of them are pretty important and that can impact how you handicap things going forward. 
Uh, we only have a minute left, Tom, and I just want to recap what we went through for your bets today. Rafael Devers home run plus 250. Tony Gonsolin over five and a half strikeouts plus 126. DeAndre Ayton in the NBA Finals tomorrow over 16 and a half points at minus 118 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Tom, thank you for joining us again this morning. We'll see you again soon, and good luck to those plays later today and tomorrow. Thanks for having me. It was great. Coming up next, we are going to have our buy or sell segment. It's going to be a special appearance by someone behind the scenes here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Somebody deserves a shout out. A champion was crowned over the weekend, and I cannot wait to announce who it is. You're listening on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the SportsGrid Network. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We'll close out hour number two on the other side of this break as we've got you covered until noon Eastern time right here on the SportsGrid Network. We should come with a sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Closing out hour number two, we are on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get to our segment, Buy or Sell. Buying or selling champions indoor football because over the weekend, our director, Ty Jones, Big Daddy Ty Jones, and his team, the Omaha Beef, end up coming away with the upset win over the Salina Liberty, winning 40-39. The buy-or-sell portion of this is, are you buying or selling that this is a CIF dynasty team, the Omaha Beef, Ben? I am buying it because if Tyler Jones is there, if you're going to get a three-touchdown performance out of Big Daddy Ty Jones in any championship game, the Omaha Beef are going to be a dynasty for years to come in the Champions Indoor Football League. A huge win for the Omaha Beef. My Omaha Beef, because I used to live in Omaha, Nebraska for two years as well. And thanks to Ty Jones getting that win. A blocked field goal. A blocked extra point. Whatever it was, Ariel, was the game-winning cap for the Omaha Beef. I also think, by the way, Ariel... We might be the program across all of this country that talks about the Champions Indoor Football League more than any other TV show or radio show. So there you go. The Omaha Beef, I'm buying that they are starting a dynasty. We would win a match bet over anybody who would have to go up against us as to who's going to talk about the CIF the most. Because we love repping the Omaha Beef for Big Daddy Jones. He had an incredible performance over the weekend. Now here's where I'm excited too, because this is gonna open up so many opportunities for Ty. The only thing is, he's gotta stay here at the show. He's gonna catch up on some sleep now. He doesn't have to worry about the crazy schedules, traveling on the road. We're gonna get Ty back in full force here on the show for just a little bit. Then he'll go and he'll be onto bigger and better things in the football world. I can't wait. Where do you think he's going? Where is Big Daddy Jones going? He had to set odds on it, Ben. Cincinnati Bengals, New York Giants, Miami Dolphins. One of those teams is probably like minus 125 now. 
I absolutely love it. We do have to sign off to our MSG audience. Tune into sportsgrid.com. Hour number three is coming up next. You can tune in on Sirius XM channel 204 as well. Since you were a little kid, you've always loved sports. So have we. One of us. One of us.